You're listening to Paddle Up, Little Adventures with Lisa and Craig. We're a married couple that believe in the power of experiences, because experiences are what lead to an impactful life. Now, let's Let's brace brace for for impact. impact. Welcome back to Paddle Up, Episode 7, Firecrackers, Rain, and Jumper Cables. Now, Craig, what does all that have to do with what we're going to talk about today? That has to do with a very eventful weekend we had, oh gosh, about a month ago now. We're a little late in recording this one. Um, so back in early July, July 4th weekend, um, we helped host a local pickleball tournament for our local pickleball club. It's this. It was the second annual, can you say it? It's, it's too Fire much of a Firecracker Classic Mixed Doubles Tournament. Yeah, it the, is a mouthful, I know. Firecracker Classic Mixed Doubles Pickleball Tournament. Second annual. It. Don't forget the second annual, honey. Right. No, it's uh, it's something we, we decided to give it a shot last year and give it a try because we've obviously you've heard from us. We play a lot of tournaments. And this was kind of a, I don't know, I'll call it a give back opportunity for us, both for just a, our general pickleball community. But um, like we mentioned in the last episode, the lift while you climb um, to help newer or more inexperienced tournament players um, have a great experience in a tournament to help bolster their confidence and their experience level and their their um their enjoyment of tournaments we want to really put on a really good experience for them so we thought okay the only way we're really going to feel like we that happens is if we take active part in it so we did that first one last year and then this year was the uh the second one um that we've done so far and we had really good feedback from our inaugural tournament in the fourth of july weekend in 2022 so because sometimes newer players that are at the 3-0 level don't have much experience with tournaments and getting that good feedback from the first tournament that we put on helped make us want to do the same format as we did last year. Which What some was that people, format? Talk about that. You mentioned 3-0. So, yeah, so what did we do last year and, and this year? Because of the court availability that we have at Riverside Park um, in Janesville, Wisconsin, we have six wonderful indoor, oh, sorry, outdoor pickleball courts. But with only having six courts, it was a logistics problem to be able to figure out how to do a tournament um, last year. So what we ended up doing was deciding that the format was going to be mixed doubles, but we would have two divisions, the 3-0 skill level and the 3-5 skill level. So that seemed to work really good because like you said, with that lift to climb, um, theme or desire that we want to do in our own pickleball life, we really got some good feedback for for the players that registered last year in that 3-0 division that it really helped them overcome some of their nerves. They really had a, a really good time at a tournament, which was a great um, player experience, but that's one of the reasons why we continued on to do it this year. We got a couple levels of feedback last year. One, like you said, we had really good feedback from the players who did it saying that was really great. It was very welcoming and accessible and we had fun. And while it was any tournament's pressure packed, you put everybody puts all kinds of internal pressure on themselves. We tried to make it so that the external side of things was much more laid back and fun and hey, we're it's just pickleball and we're having a good time. Compete, yes, but let's have a good time first and foremost. But the other side of the feedback we didn't get last year was, hey, we'd love to have more divisions. Is there is there four zero and up? The more you know, the higher skill level is there. Men's is there women's? How about singles? And one of the reasons we stuck with the original format also is we just have finite resources. When you have 
finite court space like we do with our six outdoor courts and you're doing a division at a at a time you know you, one division takes up all six courts and you can only you got to get through a division for one division at a time and it, that takes time and we we figured from last year i mean we had the experience from last year that the 30 division or a 35 division it takes about three and a half hours to get through a round robin format and then a playoff so multiplied by two divisions 3035 that's a full day which brings me to our second finite resource which was just people right now um Lisa, myself, and a couple other uh, club members do help put it on, but that's really been it so far, and really haven't we really haven't pursued getting more folks to help out with called a second day or a weekend's worth of tournaments where we could have more divisions. Something maybe we do in the future. Um, maybe something we do if we get more facilities, which is a whole other topic we're, we're working on on, on the side. Um, but until then, given what we know we have, both in infrastructure and Let's call it human capital. We've decided to stick with the one-day, two-division, I don't say beginner-friendly. It's not really true, but more of a inviting, fun tournament for everyone. And you only say inviting and fun with those levels that we described earlier because as you advance, they get a little bit more competitive. I don't want to say that the 3-5 division wasn't competitive this year or the 3-0 wasn't because it was. It just gets more intense as you get higher level divisions in a tournament. But again, this tournament, just like last year, um, we're very transparent that part of the funds for the tournament was to help with our quest to work with the city of Janesville to get an additional six outdoor courts, which we're hopefully working on in the future that you'll hear more about. But with tournaments, you'll hear a lot of things um, this afternoon or maybe you're listening to it this morning, whatever time of day or time zone you're in. But we'll also talk about, you know, when Craig and I organize or coordinate um, an event or or plan a trip, we always like to look back on what we've done and, and see how we can make things better. Something that I've always learned and taken with me in my life from my mom is you always look to improve. You always make things better than what you found them. So one of the things that we wanted to do with the second annual Firecracker Classic Mixed Doubles Tournament was to make a few adjustments and make some improvements. So one of those was um, Duper. And so, Craig, do you want to talk about what we did this year with the tournament and including Duper? Well, before I dive into Duper, I do want to touch upon just the, the amount of, in addition to Duper stuff this year, just the amount of make-ready work you have to do for a tournament. For anybody oh, who's put a, put a, any event on, not not uh, not just counting a pickleball tournament, but any kind of event where you're inviting people in and you're organizing, it's a lot of work. And this year was was admittedly probably a little bit easier because we had built a lot of it from scratch last year. Last year was the bear in turning. We literally started from zero and got a lot of it up and running. So we had you know, the format. We kind of how we we even had everything from uh, sponsors and likely sponsors to repeat sponsors to um, what the uh, layout of the you know, at the park would look like, how the big, the tournament would flow, how we would keep score, the announcements and the you know the spiels and the speeches we'd make, and all of that we kind of had preset from last year. We just copied and pasted in a lot of ways. Yeah, so that part made it easier. But there's always stuff you have to do year to year. Um, you know, examples are just uh, talking about sponsors, trying to retain sponsors, get more sponsors. And we kind of do old school with our tournament, but we got a lot of good feedback on some of the old school things that we do. So, for example, one of the things that you do have to do year after year is make the brackets. So we use oversized chart paper 
to do that so people can actually see their scores when they come off. They come out and report the scores, and we do that. So that's something that has to be made each and every year. Yeah, make those, um, gather volunteers, uh, secure the medals and the other the swag bags and get those outfitted well. Silent auction items. The the snacks and refreshments. A lot of just a lot of little details, right? Again, if you've ever organized any kind of event, it sounds easy enough and the usually the easiest parts of it are the big things. It's all the little details yeah. that you don't realize how long that list is until you really get into the weeds. Did you remember the Sharpies, honey? Did you remember X, yep. Y, and Z? And you're like, oh, it's those little things, like yeah. you said, that usually sneak up behind you and go, oh, we have to yeah. remember all of these fine details in order to make the tournament overall look like it ran really smoothly. Yeah. So one big addition, evolution, dare I say improvement we did to this tournament this year was we um, very recently got our our physical pickleball club included into duper as a duper pickleball club and for those who don't know what duper is um i think it stands for dynamic universal pickleball rating so there's there's some historical or legacy pickleball rating systems out there that are liked more than by some than others uh duper is a relatively new kid on the block i don't know you're 18 months old but it's got some real marketing and business push behind it not to mention dollars it is a it is that is backed by some for-profit companies, but the the rating system itself is intended to be, I'll say, uh, neutral or objective, and they do put a lot of effort into retweaking their algorithms and providing a lot of, tr- I'll say, transparency in how the ratings work, as well as the speed at which the ratings are are updated versus some other ones where it was kind of behind the curtain and your rating might change quarterly, maybe if you're lucky, and only depends if you played certain tournaments. But with Duper, you, you can go and play a rec game. And get those results in, into dupers. So you can really update your and, and um, uh, improve upon your ratings accuracy way faster than we can with anything else. Almost but, like in real time. Yeah. So just to put it simply, like I could look you up, Craig, in Duper, and I could see that you what your level was. Yeah, it's an app and a website. Yep. So if if Craig registered for a three five mixed doubles tournament, and the tournament coordinator looked at his duper. They would say, mm, I don't think, Craig, you could play in this 3-5. You're in the wrong division this, because you're a 4 and above. That's, that's the spirit, just to that's limit the, the sandbag. And we'll talk about that here shortly. But, yeah, this is, this is not meant to be an advertisement for Duper in any way. We just I, – I, so far, I believe in it. I think you, we believe in it, I yeah, can say. Yeah, we believe in it. I think it's the best thing out yeah. there to accurately portray what a player's skill level is. And there's more and more Duper-related events and stuff coming online. So we're just trying to help modernize our pickleball club by leveraging Duper. And going back to – the lift while you climb and provide a great experience for our tournament players. Duper and its rating system are becoming, uh, gosh, almost a default rating system for a lot of tournaments. They're saying you either have to have a Duper or at least have a Duper account to get your rating started to play in a tournament. And it's kind of eye-opening to get your rating and see it uh, evolve, (laughs) flux, and change over time as you play for us. And so we wanted to give that experience to other players too. A lot of players that we had Honestly, a lot of them didn't know what Duper was or didn't understand it, never really had an account. So we made it a requirement to get their account set up because by by way of the format of our tournament, they would have enough games played at the end of our tournament. Once we uploaded the scores, they would have a validated, calculated Duper rating going forward that they can take and then go forth with and do all kinds of pickleball stuff. And for the majority, I mean, they were all excited that we required a duper account. And when people registered for the tournament, if they didn't have one, you you stepped aside and really helped them through that process of downloading the app 
choosing the Janesville Pickleball Club. That was half the morning or that half, was the, half prep the morning of each at the registration. Yeah. But like you said, for Duper, you need six qualified games to get a a rating verified or confirmed through the Duper app. So we provided that with our tournament because they were guaranteed six games. So they were really excited once, you know, at the end and a few days later, maybe a week later, Craig, with your coordination with Duper, getting all the scores uploaded, they actually saw, we got some feedback going, oh my gosh, I just saw my Duper score. I saw all the the games at your tournament uploaded. That was so cool. Yeah, it turned out, it was a little bit of work in the front to get the, the club in there and figure out exactly how to get the scores in. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But it worked out pretty well. Actually, we found some pretty slick solutions for that. And in the end, I think the value was there. I think we we got what we were hoping out of that. And and for the club's value, too, now we now have that duper club that we can now leverage to host all kinds of different events, not just tournaments, and use that as a carrot for more players to come play. Because if we use the duper system for inputting scores, a lot of players want to see their duper move. One of the questions we ask as tournament players, when we go play tournaments, and I can imagine most people, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of players probably do ask when they are looking at potentially investing, you know, paying, paying the fees for a tournament are, will your scores go into Duper? Actually, we see that in a lot of FAQs for tournaments, will your scores go into Duper? Because it seems like everybody's asking that. Again, it's just getting, the, it's the traction that that platform is getting. So again, value to our players, to our playing members or our paid members for our pickleball club, that could be a, a big thing going forward. So well, we're kind of excited to see where that goes to. Yeah. So a good improvement for this year. Yeah. So while there was some some infrastructure already laid down from last year's tournament, we did have to do some more prep work. But that brings us to tournament day. So we had again it was a one day tournament. Um, so we're always that, looking at the well, weather app. I will what's say happening on Saturday. That, yeah, that's a teaser. That was the intention. It was a one day tournament. We'll, we'll cover that also here in a little Hence bit. Hence the title: Firecrackers, Rain, and Jumper Cables. All yeah. that middle word there is a little forecasting, a little more information to come. Yeah, we're in the firecrackers phase right now. We'll get to the rain part here in a moment. <laughs> yeah, so tournament day, we were up at 4 a.m. in the morning because we had to load the car, get everything um, down to Riverside Park and get situated because, my goodness gracious, even though our 3.0 level started at 8 a.m., people started coming down and wanting to register at 7.15 a.m. in the morning. Up, yeah. So um, early morning, um, had a lot of coffee running through us um, just to kind of wake us up and make sure That's we were all sure. ready to go once yeah. the players um, at the 3-0 level, because they started at 8 a.m., that was our first division. Um, the 3-5 division started at noon, but they started coming in at 7.15 and wanting to register and get their shoes on, get their shoelaces strapped and start uh, warming up. Yeah, if I can, can I stop here? I'm gonna kind of add lib a little bit. I know sure. we have little show notes we're going off of, but I remember thinking of, as listening to you talk, I was thinking about what that took and just a little, I guess, relationship sidebar here. I was really proud of us, both for last year, obviously, but for this year too. Um, similar to us playing in tournaments, where a lot of people say, "Oh gosh, you're married, you play in tournaments. You know how bad they is that going for you?" Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> that's a very ten- it can be very tenuous because you're you're merging personal, romantic family stuff with a with sporting being a sporting partner and being competitive and it's hard to keep those separate same could be said for well a lot of stuff but just organizing events like this in our case organizing this tournament i thought we did really really well as um i don't know what you want to call it like gleason and craig inc like working through all right who's doing this who's doing that delegating checking in on stuff is this you know we have deadline is that done no we get it done uh, just we project managed well together, yeah. and I think it's because you and I have been together 10 years now in June. We've been together 10 years, but I think after 10 years, Craig, I know your strengths, 
and you know my strengths and one of the things why it goes so well, whether we're planning a tournament, whether we're planning our travels, is we lean on and leverage each other's strengths. So even though both of us are planners, you know, you like spreadsheets. So I let you do your spreadsheet thing. Um, I like to talk. So I'll do the majority of the talking, um, welcoming the players. Um, You know, a lot of the rules. So you'll talk about all the rules on that side. So it's almost, I mean, we do talk about it and we do communicate about it, but it's almost so natural to us that Craig, you're going to do that. And Lisa, I'm going to do this because that's just how we know each other so well. And I think that kind of shows on the pickleball court too. When we're players is we've played with each other because we've gotten comments from other players. Oh, I love how you communicate on the court. Oh, I love how it just seems so effortless. Well, it's been a lot of hard work and not to say that it hasn't been ups and downs because there have been downs. Um, but we've played so much together. We know how we're going to flow. And that kind of showed in this tournament we know how to flow with one another. Most of the time. Most <laughs> I, of the time. I, I didn't mean this to become a little pat in the back moment. I mean, I'm oh, proud no, of we've us. We've had our difficulties too, but, but my we, goodness, we try to learn through those down. difficulties too yeah. to make it better for the next time. So yeah. yeah, overall, even the day of, it went it went smoothly. So yeah, so the day of was a bit of a whirlwind as it usually is. If Again, if you've ever organized and, and hosted an event, once it gets going, it, it can be a bit of a... <laughs> a bit of a uh, a haze when you look back on it but really the rest of the day you know we got it was time to play ball so we had to give our spiel you mentioned talking so we gave a this opening remarks and rules and and guidance on that stuff i spent a lot of time before each division like you had said um repeating myself providing duper uh education and instructions on how to get everybody set up there so we were, we were trying to m- make sure we had everybody set up in dupe before they left because obviously once you they leave it's just hard to catch them again once they're gone and off to their the rest of their lives. I, I do want to give a shout out though to all the volunteers because even though it might sound like, you know, we had other tournament helpers and we don't want this to sound like it was the Lisa and Craig show, there were a no, lot of volunteers that came out at 6 a.m. in the morning to hang banners, yep. to help with setting up the silent auction. So I just want to give a shout out to all the Janesville Pickleball Club volunteers that raised their hand and helped make this the best tournament for not only, you know, obviously we had some Janesville Pickleball Club members register for the tournament, but we also wanted to give that external warm welcome feeling to players that came from Florida, Massachusetts, Illinois, Delaware. Delaware. So thank you. Just simply thank you for all the work you did to make that day um, such a professional and welcoming and inviting setting for everybody that played. So thank you. Yeah, you and I are sitting here on this platform saying us, us, us. But yeah, no, it takes a village. That's for darn sure. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure we said thank you to all those that helped because we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. So so again, once the play started, to your point, we were pretty old school. We had big flip charts up like uh, zip tied to the uh, the chain link fencing that had um, the round robin schedule. So our tournaments are round robins. So we've split each of the 12 teams into two pools of six. They each play a round robin of five games. We do round by round. Everybody goes out and plays round one, and then they come back, and then we announce how that went and announce the, the court assignments for round two. And then keep repeating that, scorekeeping, announcing, traffic directing, et cetera. In addition, you know, we were the official photographers of the event, so we're trying to run getting good shots there. Also between rounds um, and during break times, we're, we're trying to play music, so we can add DJ to our, to our resume. To our resume, yeah. yeah. Very amateur DJing. Um, we had a silent auction running at parallel. So we kept announcing that and managing the silent auction. Um, gosh, what else? 
Well, it was just a lot, and we got through the 3-0 division just fine. And then at about noon, we started our 3-5 division, and we got probably through the third round. And then I look off into the horizon, and I see dark clouds. So before you go there, in addition to you know running the tournament, we were calling ourselves fund directors there. Um, we also actually turned in automotive support staff because while the tournament's going on, there were a pair of players, um, Aaron and John, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> so sorry for yeah, your... Yeah, sorry that you, this happened to you at our at our, at our our event, but um, they had played in the, I think, the morning session, and 3-5 um, was just getting going, and uh, I got a, I got a panicked message or a, a call out saying, hey, does anybody have jumper cables? I'm like, what? And this is about the same time the, the clouds were starting to roll, and it wasn't panic time yet, but it was getting, it was, the weather was changing. Well, it turns out these two players, the two partners, um, they had come, they had come up from, I think it was Illinois, out Illinois. of state, yeah, out um, of state. rented a car. No, did not rent a car. Sorry. They drove up here from Illinois. Brand new car, like, I don't Relatively know, old. new. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't start and they were stuck. They had to, they had to get back for something. I can't remember. It was pretty late in the day already. It was probably three, four o'clock and, uh, that car wouldn't start. So nobody else really raised their hand. I went, oh, I got jumper cables. I, I were running a tournament, but I, I, it just, it's hard to say no. You literally like, looked at me and said, I have to time out being yeah. a pickleball tournament facilitator and I got to go get my jumper cables and I got to go help this, these two players, yeah. they were husband and wife, jump, jump their car. And I went, okay, I'll take over. So the husband and I tried to um, diagnose it, could not do it, tried starting it. It almost started and then it wouldn't go. So we literally putzed around there for 20 minutes um, and then we decided to just leave it alone. We just let the charger on. I let my car run. Gave it about a good 15 minutes, and we said, okay, this one more time. If not, they're going to call AAA. But it was also a Saturday of July 4th weekend. It's 4 p.m. What are the? Uh, how long is it going to take AAA or whatever it was? I can't remember the support contract they had, but how long is it going to take a, a service technician to get there? It was not looking good. So this last Hail Mary started, it just turned over and took off. So they were dancing for joy. It was kind of cool. So they bugged out pretty quick. I said, do not turn that car off. Just go straight home. <laughs> and I guess, sir. So that's what they did. So that was uh, an interesting interlude. To yeah. It was an unanticipated interlude to the day. Hence part of the title, the jumper cable part of our episode. Yep. So yeah, as you were doing that, I was looking off into the distance and you could see these dark clouds. And so I had a little trepidation. As, as I did didn't I. know what to expect, we actually got through, you know, if you fast forward, started sprinkling, but we got through. So we got through the round robin round of robin three, five, part, the second just division. barely. The last team just finished. And so we all kind of were huddling. We had a variety of different big tents um, at Riverside Park. We all kind of gathered. Um, I was pretty proud of myself because I'm a planner at heart. And as soon as I saw the black clouds rolling in, I was looking at other volunteers who were there and i'm like take that banner down get that down i was directing because i knew the rain You're would trying eventually to keep it come. going but take it down early at the same time without like disrupting the play yep just because i knew that once it opened up it was just yeah. going to downpour and so it we had to make a split second decision well hold on so we got through round robin and yep. then it started sprinkling we kept playing we got through two rounds of playoffs. We were up to the semifinals. Yes, we had the semifinals. So we were just, and which was like, it's two rounds left. So it's literally like we have an hour left of the tournament, probably. We're just so close to the end. Yep, you're right. We got through the quarterfinals. Yep, and we were to the semifinals. And if you've ever played in a pickleball tournament, one of the things that you will will never want to have happened is to stop play due to weather because you are such in a momentum um 
atmosphere. That's not the word I want, but you're just, your momentum just literally brings you forward. So when you have to stop that momentum of really good play, good synergy with your partner. You're in the flow. And it's the flow. And then you're like, oh, let's stop. We, We did offer some options. Um, when it started raining, we said, "What would you like to do?" We, players? Like, we called. We called time between games. And we brought everybody together. Yep. We said, "Okay, here's our options." So, what do we? We essentially elected to come back the next morning. Yep. So, as I was saying, we we gave the players two options. We said we could either stop where we were and do some calculations and give out medals where the standings were. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. Or we could come back the next day and finish the semifinals and then the gold silver match and the bronze medal match. So they looked at us and we said, you know, we could come back. It was very lucky. I don't believe in luck, but it was very lucky that the people that were left in the semifinal and then the medal matches were all fairly local. Well, yeah, that, that's so true. So it, it wasn't like I was asking somebody from Illinois to come drive back up. From, or from Delaware. Or from Delaware. <laughs> Florida. So that was kind of lucky on our part. And they all looked at us and said, we want to come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. So that was the initial plan was we packed up everything then. Mm-hmm. Everybody went home. And Craig and I looked at each other and went, we got to do this again the next mm-hmm. day. Yep. We thought we were going to be done, done yeah. wrapped up, come home, put our feet up, maybe having an adult beverage and just, you know, cause it's, it's a lot of work. You know, day. if anybody's put on an event or a tournament, it's a, it literally, um, doesn't necessarily physically exhaust you, but it mentally exhausts you because you have to put so much thought into everything. Everything. Yep. So we kind of looked at each other, got everything put together and went, okay, we're going to do this tomorrow. And then. And then we went home and we put out, um, communications, emails to the players on our Facebook media. page saying, hey, we're going to do this tomorrow. We got, oh, sorry, hey, we got rained out right at the semifinals. So we're going to come back on Sunday morning, the day after, and finish up the, the tournament there. So you got all that communication out. And then, and then a text came to my phone and said, have you looked at the weather tomorrow in Janesville at 9 a.m. outdoors? And I went, I thought to myself, no. Well, we did. It had been a couple hours. It had been a couple hours. So we went back. And it was almost like 30 or 40%. It was more than that. It was like 50 or ish At 9 a.m. Yeah. And so we do have an indoor tennis facility that does have some taped off pickleball courts. Yeah, they're, well, they're painted. They're striped. Yeah. And we're, we're good friends with the general manager there. And the individual that texted me said, why don't, would this be a consideration? And my goodness, Dave, if you are listening... What a brilliant, brilliant idea, because that is a lesson for next year to have a plan B, because you never know what the weather's going well, to do. plan C, a backup to the backup. Yeah, Because if it wasn't going to gonna rain, we just went out to the park and did it like we had originally planned the next day outside. But Yep. So fast forward a couple of calls um, to the general manager of our tennis facility here, um, Premier Tennis. Kudos to you. you. You came through. They said, no problem. We could have two hours the next morning. So... I felt really bad, Craig, because you had put all that communication out that we were going to play at 9 a.m. at Riverside, and then we had to go through that whole process again and say, sorry, our second audible is we're going to ensure that this tournament finishes indoors at Premier. And it, it, it doubles down, though, like in our in both of our professional lives and with you and I as a couple, as a married couple, um, as parents, as a, a, a pickleball partners, 
and as tournament directors, and this goes out to everybody, I mean, one of the big things of that that was so important was the communication. And leading up to the tournament, we took pride in how much we were communicating with the players. We sent out several pre-tournament emails, but then even with this, hey, we're delayed, we're calling an audible and playing tomorrow morning, and then, oh, hey, we're calling an audible on our audible. I think the key to that was really getting out as ahead of it as you can and being very clear and comprehensive with your coverage on that communication. They'll just send one little text message out and hope they get it. We tried to blanket it with every way they could possibly see yeah, both we, both the players and any potential spectators saying, hey. Yeah, we covered all of the different here's platforms. The deal. Oh, hey, here's the deal again. <laughs> Repeat. Yeah. So even though we were sad that we had to call the audible because of the rain and stop that momentum, one of the things that Craig and I talked about that night was how could we create that momentum again for players. So we brainstormed and thought we would the next day when we were playing and resuming the semifinal matches and then the medal matches to give them extra time to warm up at the indoor facility, but also start a game, a mini game of six, so that they could actually get into the swing of things again. Because I know when Craig and I play in a tournament, we try to get as much warm-up time and like a game with other players in before we even play our first game so we had there were it was semifinals so there was four teams left so we had each team play the team they weren't playing in the semifinals if that makes sense so if teams one and two were playing in the semifinals i'd have we'd have, we'd have teams one and three and two and four play just to again just to get some points get going just to get warmed up for those who play you probably are nodding your head it it, it would kind of suck to get through all the three quarter way through a tournament stop go to bed, then get up and like jump into a semifinals of a tournament the first thing the next morning. That's just kind of not unfair. It's just unfortunate to have to do that. So really tried to ramp them up as best we could. We had the court time available, like you said. To so, do that. Yes, yeah, so we, that's what we chose to do. I think they were appreciative of that too because they just got everybody cut back, their juices back flowing again, hopefully as much as we could. It's not going to perfectly replicate. But we did that. as much as we could to maybe yeah. recreate that momentum as best we could with the situation that we were handed. Because it's not just, you mentioned momentum for players. You get playing, you want momentum as a player. But just for the tournament and the the um, festivities and the, the, um, the environment. and the support. The environment. The, yeah, you the, want to, you want cheering. To, you want that tension and that excitement to be there. So when you have to stop right at semifinals one night and then come back the next morning with obviously way fewer spectators too. It's just, you don't want to feel, it can be flat, you know, yeah. and it's going to be flatter than it was if you would have had all this build up on Saturday and finish it off. So we tried to, again, fill that gap as best we could anyway. So fast forward, you know, Sunday we were up, up early, early again, again. Yep. <laughs> lots of coffee again. Um, and we divided and conquered on Sunday because we still had some things at Riverside and we also wanted to make sure somebody was at Riverside and Craig you went down there to make sure if anybody didn't see all of that communication yeah. that you had put out Saturday night about the change in venue from Riverside to Premier Tennis that somebody was down there directing traffic so you went down there I went to Premier uh, again, welcomed the players got them started to warm up well yeah again back up to the backup right we'd sent all this communication out we thought we had really hammered home hey we're going to be playing next morning i still went down there though just in case someone showed up saying hey where is everybody yeah so we 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 tried to um make sure that even if people weren't looking on social media or on their texts or on their emails that somebody was there to direct them but yeah we had about a little less spectators mm-hmm. at premier about 12 just because when we asked them to be gracious hosts that they have a 
what would you call that? An overlook area that they ask spectators to be in instead of being on the floor? Like a, a raised gallery, elevated gallery area behind glass, yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately they had to watch from afar, which was a little sad, but you know, we did the best we could and How did we do the best we can? That was a that was a fun experience. That was well, you came up with this idea that you could stay up there and I would text you back and forth, but I was also trying to do the scoreboard. So that Text that, me back and forth what though? Text me back the score so you could actually then be up yeah. there in that lobby area and tell them what the score so, was. But the the play of a pickleball game is so fast, like it's one one, then it's two one, then it's three four. Well, I couldn't text that fast. And also you wanted some photos. I was trying to do photos on my phone. And both both semifinals were playing at the same time, like next like next to each other. So you're yeah, in in practice, yeah, trying to speed text scores of both games in real time just wasn't working it out. It sounded like a great idea, honey. But in reality, it was it caused me more stress. So yeah. I finally said, "I love you, but I can't do that." Well, so then I came down, yeah, and I uh, I, I told one person that we knew in the in the gallery, saying, "Hey, I'm going to give that a shot." So I went down, and while you did the scoreboard and kind of monitored, um, was kind of the marshal of the of the of the play. I ran around like a jackrabbit and was I came up with a system. I can't remember how what I did, but I was basically a little coded. Um, I had code in my text saying for the game for the left game, I had. I had a code for each team and what the score was. Then for the right side game, and if you, as you're looking at it from the gallery, I had codes for them and what the score was. I was just I, I, I that's customer, the most customer service text. to the T, Craig. I've, I've never texted that much in my life over a over a half hour period. It's kind of crazy. But again, it goes to show that as tournament directors, we really wanted everybody, including the spectators, to feel involved, especially with this second day and the changes that we had to make. So kudos to you, um, but. In the end, we got it finished. We got it done. Yep, and we gave out the medals. Everybody was appreciative. At the very end, we were able to bring the spectators down. We got for the medal ceremony. approval from um, the staff there that we could bring them down so yep. we could ac- they could actually be a part of the medal ceremony and clap for the winners. So that was really great, um, and I think they appreciated that. And then people there that came as spectators, I would say the majority of them were family members. So then they got in and took pictures with them, with the winners. So it was a really good, I don't know, I felt like we should all have been singing Kumbaya at the very end and, you know, in a a circle. It It was was really kind of cool. So even though it was a second day, it it ended really well. Again, I want to thank Premier Tennis just for welcoming us and hosting us on the very last minute. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you and I came home and had that we adult sw- beverage and we, went, we to went to sleep. To <laughs> we um, might have taken a an hour or two nap that afternoon. Yeah, that was <laughs> might have. That was a long weekend, but I'm glad we did it. It, it just it's funny how you um, again going back to event planning, you can prep and plan and try to expect everything there is and, and re- eliminate all the variables, but you never can. There's usually something that's going to pop up that's going to threaten to derail at least part of your day. So. It, Planning and prepping is really important for that, but it's also to be very important or very, um, it's very important to stay flexible and be ready for change and to be agile. I think one of the things I, I realized, and you just said it with the word agile, I think a skill that you and I both have that allowed this to be so smooth, even though it had some hiccups with that rain and the rain delay, is we were able to problem solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a trait that um, I hope all five of our teenagers, it gets passed down because um, we were able to be flexible and problem solve and, and make it the best experience for everybody involved, even though we had to go to day two. Yeah. So 
so yeah, that was our that was our tournament weekend that we had, our second annual. I'm gonna try it. My turn. Firecracker Classic Mixed Doubles Pickleball Tournament. Yes, you got it right. <laughs> so, it's a mouthful. So let's debrief really quick. Yeah, yeah the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, yeah let's do that. And so, maybe next steps for the third annual. What was your good out of this year? I think my number one good is the same as it was last year in our inaugural tournament. Everybody had a good time. Everybody was smiling. Everybody gave us great feedback that even though some parts of our tournament, I call it old school, like the, the flip charts, they they all said, numerous people, this was the best tournament. And some of them have played a lot of different tournaments in a lot bigger towns. It It's their favorite tournament. And we have one couple coming from Delaware, and they said at the end of the tournament, sign us up next year. They were in the 3-0 division, so they got their division done, but that was the nicest compliment. They said, "We this is the best tournament. Mm-hmm. We look forward to it every year. Sign us up next year. So yeah. everybody had a good time, and I think that's what our ultimate goal is, Craig, is that people have a good, fun experience. And I think, again, going back to why, again, I'm projecting on them, on our players a little bit, but I think based i'm also going this i'm saying this based on the tournament experiences we've had as players i think we do a really good job of the communication we really let i mean there's really no no unanswered questions yeah that's a good way to say it there's no unanswered questions we try to anticipate all questions and get all information out there and then repeat it um but then even day of i think we do a really good job of being i say tournament directors i don't say that as a as a um glamour thing it's just be, if you're going to be the director of a boss of an event, be the boss of an event. Get out in front of everybody. Get up in front of everybody. Speak. Provide really good, clear direction, not just once, but throughout the day. Let you know, everybody know who's in charge. And when I mean that, sorry, it sounds kind of weird, but let them feel comfortable in knowing that someone's in charge, I guess is a better and, way to say it. And if they have questions, they know yeah. exactly who to come to. Yep. And feel safe in doing that and knowing that stuff will get taken care of. I think we do a really good job of that. So many tournaments we've played, a lot of tournament directors are are mousy, if that's the right word. I mean, they get that's there and you barely hear from them. They might announce some of the rules, but that's the last time you hear them. Any and then of them poof, speak. they're gone. And everybody's, it almost feels like you're kind of on your own as a player to figure out the rest of the day. And I think having that leadership um, and that and that exposure of who's, who the leaders are as far as the tournament goes, I think really helps the players. I think everybody looks for that. They, everybody wants to know what's going on. Someone tell me what to do, where it's going, where are we at? And not, again, it's not about being bossy. It's just being communicative. I can't ever say that word. Communicative? Communicative? We're, good grief. We provide good leadership. And I think in addition to that, the other reason why people have a great time is we insert fun. Everybody's lives are so busy. We're all stressed at work. Yeah. We all have busy kids' schedules. But we create this atmosphere of music's playing. You even created a Spotify pickleball playlist this year. And we just insert music throughout. You know, when people are coming off their particular round, you you automatically have that Spotify list coming. We have, Pe- we have tents with fruit yep. and water and beverages. And it's just a very fun it, atmosphere to be a part of in addition to being leaders we i think we also immerse ourselves with the players so in between rounds we're, I, I i try to talk to everybody oh yeah and hobnob how's it going or just talk pickleball or talk shop or the area or what are you doing for dinner tonight and really try to make it a a social event as much as a a, 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 a competitive sports event as well people as as it's it's pressure filled enough people put all that pressure on like i said internally 
So it's nice to have that relief valve once in a while when the tournament director comes up and just starts hobnobbing with you about what's good for dinner around here later. It helps put everything in perspective and, yeah. that, and that makes it more fun. And and you can tell by the number of uh, friend requests we get from our players yeah. to our Facebook <laughs> after the true. event. Like, will you be my friend? I'm like, that shows that we, we go around and we get to know the players um, at each one of those tournaments. And I can't also one of the benefits is we've really become really good friends with some of the players that have registered for our tournaments. And I think that's that's just a benefit it's pretty you cool. and I never cool. thought even would happen. It wasn't even on our radar. No, no. And now we've been invited into their circles in their towns to play. Yeah. And it just goes to show that that pickleball community, again, is so welcoming. It's just that. It can be community if, if, you, if you treat it like such. Yeah. Um, can I say a couple of good things sure. that I liked? One is uh, for the second year, we had a full slate of, of players and teams uh, well ahead of the tournament um, starting. Uh, I imagine some tournaments probably have some panic moments, you know, a couple of days before the tournament where, or a couple of days before the registration deadline where they're still looking for teams. We did not have that problem. We didn't have it last year. Again, if, hopefully that speaks to um, that everybody likes the tournament. It's a popular one. So that's, that was pretty cool. Um, the second piece of that for me was duper getting that signed up. I am on the board of our pickleball club as well. So I'm really looking forward. I'm looking for ways to increase the value of the membership for our players of our, of our club members who are players. Duh. Um, but and I do want to do a shout out. I know you don't like your, your back padded, but you did a lot of work. Um, a lot of zoom calls with a duper coordinator. So thank you for doing all of that legwork because that was no small feat. Yeah. And I, I think I teased this earlier, but um, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here on how Duper works. Um, but we thought because we didn't run the tournament through the Duper app, which you can, but there's there's cost involved. So we did it the freeway, which is perfectly fine with Duper. But we thought you had to manually input all those t- pickleball scores in. They had to go like find each four of the four players, look them up, type the score in, hit enter, and then do that again. It would have been like 90 sometimes we had to do that. We did find a way. Again, part of the good sp- sp- spreadsheet guy. I was able to build a CSV file, a comma-separated value file in, in Microsoft Excel where I could do a lot of copying, pasting, and dragging to p- dragging to copy functions in Excel, quick type all the scores in, and I can really upload that file right into Duper. And even though we didn't run the, the event through Duper, the Duper um, platform would accept a CSV file and it would automatically input all those scores and do all the calculations for everybody's rating and spit those out to all the players literally automatically I, so that saved us a lot oh, of time so i nice. shouldn't say us you it saved you a lot of time of inputting all of those individual scores for each game for all four players so that was actually a godsend when you when i came home one night at work and you're like guess what i just had to create a done a, i'm done a file a csv file and they uploaded it and poof it was so for anybody who is who's listening to this and does have a duper club um, and you're not familiar with that, they don't advertise it. I, I had to dig and actually had to talk to my account rep from Duper a couple times and make sure I was doing this right because it's it's not advertised at all. But there is a form or a template out there they'll give you that you can then use that, that template, which is a CSV file, to um, input your scores really quickly in a spreadsheet and then send them that and it's done. You can kind of wipe your hands of it and they take, they take care of the rest. So it was pretty cool. I think another good was the weather. We had a beautiful day. Until it, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, but for the majority of the day, I would say from yeah. you know six a.m. until probably what three, 
three o'clock, we had yeah. really good weather. And whenever you do an outdoor event, you always are looking at the weather like 10 days out and hoping if there is rain on your day, it moves. And so for two years in a row, until it wasn't this year, we yeah. had really good weather. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was a, a plus too. Yeah. Um, one thing too that we are going to hang on to, I think, and probably from our cold dead hands as far as tournament directors are swag bags. Oh, they're um, pretty good. Swag bags were a big thing forever in pickleball. Is one of the one of the one of the draws. Um, the draws of registering for a tournament used to get pretty cool stuff. You get a T-shirt or all kinds of freebies in a in a swag bag that you could take home with you. It was offset the cost of the of the tournament and also give you some kind of cool little mementos or what have you from your your experience there. And lately, especially the last twelve months, they've kind of vaporized from the tournament seen all together is a lot it's very hard to find a tournament nowadays where you even get a t-shirt and it's even harder to find where you get a swag bag that i would say as a player is worth anything you get some coupons or 15 percent off or or some advertisements for insurance company or whatever um but really not any kind of quote-unquote cool stuff that you would want out of a swag bag you want something like kind of immediate value that you can say oh cool you know the I got this for my fee and it's been very hard to come by and we're sticking to really trying to pr- provide that value for the players. What was a really cool immediate thing in our swag bag, Craig, that uh, you secured that was kind of cool that everybody wanted that was kind of a a plan B because of what we couldn't provide this year that we did in the first year? It's kind of a hallmark of our tournament where we are one thing that we've we advertised as part of our tournament is free ice cream. So when you pay your registration fee, you get a coupon for free ice cream um, locally. Last year, it was right at the concession stand of our park that's put on by Friends of Riverside. Um, it's a nonprofit here in town that help maintain and uh, and grow the Riverside Park area, which is where yeah, our courts are at. They do a fabulous at. job. Due to, like everybody else around everywhere, uh, due to staffing issues, they couldn't open their concession stand this year regularly, so we didn't have that. So we actually got um, coupons from our local Culver's, if you're familiar with that restaurant, um, for a free um, concrete mixer, a medium concrete a mixer, medium, which is a which is a lot of ice cream. Yeah, well, if you've ever seen a medium custard. It, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of treat for that. And it was so funny. We must have missed one coupon in one swag bag and the i i love this woman she came up and she said to me we heard about it (laughs) i i didn't get my ice cream everybody else got their concrete mixer i didn't have it and and we had we had a few extra so i I went to my little container and i said here you go she's like oh thank you that's what i wanted (laughs) i mean they all look forward to some type of ice cream that's that's what they come for it goes to my point of you know get that swag bag people want cool stuff in there and i I've never seen a tournament that gives out ice cream for coming to play a pickleball tournament. So I really like that idea. So we got that this year. It was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's July. And if you've never yeah. been to Wisconsin in July, it's hot yep. and it's humid. And after you play for three, three, four hours of pickleball, a nice ice cream cone or a concrete mixer at Culver's. A few things top that. Yeah. It's so. it's a little bit of refreshing, refreshing, um, little added bonus in our swag bag. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Um, anything else? Well, I just want to say, I think part of the good is the beautiful park. Um, and the facilities at Riverside Park. If you've never been to Janesville, Wisconsin, we really have a beautiful facility um, at Riverside for dedicated pickleball. Um, Hopefully we'll be able to add more courts, but I just want to do a shout out to the city of Janesville and the Friends of Riverside. They just have a wonderful facility there. They not only have the pickleball courts, they have a baseball field, they have shuffleboard, 
Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Yeah. Um, trails. Trails. Bike the and Ice hiking. Age Trail. Biking. Hiking. Fishing piers. Fishing piers. Boat they launches. Just, it's a beautiful park. So we are Playgrounds. so lucky yeah. that our pickleball facilities that we host this tournament at is there because it's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, and and with that, with the city talking about courts, um, I think the economic impact too of our tournament. I, we say it's a good thing. It's nothing we see at least directly, but I think it's a great thing for our city. Uh, that we can do for our city. Again, we're just citizens here. We're trying to do what we can. And providing a tournament like this not only does cool things for the pickleball community, for the club, for the players that play in it, but there was a, there was quite a few teams like we talked about earlier that from from out of the area that that brought um, additional funding or, or revenue into the into our area. They too. stayed overnight at our hotels yeah. in Janesville. They ate at our restaurants. Mm-hmm. So again, like you said, um, being born and raised here in Janesville, I feel very proud to be able to bring. A tournament here that brings economic value and impact to the city of Janesville. Yeah. It, as small as it might be, it adds value. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to grow that value even larger um, when we create even larger tournaments here in the future. Yeah. So lots of good stuff yeah. coming out of that for all the work we do and the, and the stress and the and the time and, and the uh, and the investment we make. There's a lot of good that comes out of it. Uh, anything you do different or anything, let's say bad. I hate, I hate the word bad, but good, bad, and ugly, what's the bad for you? Well, I think one of the things that um, was a lesson learned um, was we had one team that was a no-show. They registered. They registered, um, but they did not show up in the morning. So um, again, going back to that, um, we're great problem solvers. Um, We had to, on a dime, figure out how we were going to get another um, mixed doubles team so that it was even um, and fair to all the other 11 members that were on that division um, to play. So we looked around and actually it turned out that two of our pickleball club members had athletic clothing on, had tennis shoes on, had paddles in their car because, you know, they were both diehard pickleball players and they were at that level. What you're trying to say is we got super lucky. We got super lucky. But again, even though it was bad that one team didn't register, well, they Thank registered, you. they didn't, didn't show. Thank you, Doug. Thank yeah. you, Jane. You know who you are um, for being able to volunteer and play in that division um, without much less than probably 15 Any minutes Any warning notice. whatsoever, yeah. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. But I think one of the lessons that we learned was we need to have, um, A, this is only our second year, so we're getting better. Um, we probably will require payment before they are registered, and two, we will also have a backup team for each division on hand in case that, you know, somebody just gets sick. They paid, but they are sick and can't come. Have that backup of the backup, just like the the weather thing. Yep. What else you got? Well, the bad was the rain and that we had to do, you know, all those adjustments and the communications and figuring out a facility so that we could complete the tournament on that second day, nobody ever likes rain. You'd, you'd like to be able to keep that momentum and, and finish the tournament because it was also very fortunate that the players that were left in that semifinal round in the medal matches, they were available on the next day at 9 a.m. Nobody had plans. They could all come back. So I'd say the rain was a little bad um, for an outdoor facility, but um, yeah, anything else that was on the bad side of the coin? You say bad. This isn't bad, but it was a, again, a potential lesson learned for next year. And I'll say an awkward. Yes, moment. it was awkward. And I think we did the best we could because we didn't know it was coming. Yeah. 
so where we're uh, where we're going there is one of the teams in which division doesn't matter, but um, again, it was mixed doubles. But when they arrived, it was actually two females that were that were teamed up in a mixed doubles tournament. And per- personal opinions aside, we did get some competing opinions, both quiet and not so quiet during the day from players and and just um we'll say observers at the tournament of what they thought of that and it struck me because during the registration phase you just you get names and emails so the names look like i didn't really think twice about it i, I was i didn't think I twice about it woman, either. Like when, I, when i looked at the names i thought maybe one could be a man and one could be a, a woman and this is this can get touchy really fast i again personal opinions aside it we have to figure out what to do with that i i, I I don't know what to do with that because because of the feedback we got during that and after the tournament, I thought it was a little much at times. Yeah. It's something we should probably address and just have some kind of policy in place. Again, I'm not saying we exclude that or let everybody in. Again, this is kind of a touchy political subject now. Um, but to, again, it goes back to communication, right? And it's it's a thing nowadays as far as gender identity or just gender in, in general. Man, it's a hot topic. Yeah. And, and it's kind of – what we ended up doing was we let them play. They paid. Yeah. It's crazy that that comes oh. – that can even like bleed into a pickleball tournament. Like, yeah. Really? But here's this is where we're at today in today's society. So it's something we're going to have to address with our, our, our club board and just into with the tournament too just going forward and what to do with that i guess i don't know much else to say to that because well and i want to go back to saying you know we're, we're talking about the good the bad the ugly i don't want people to think that that was bad um no, it was just a- something that came up that we Correct. um had to address at the moment and craig and i looked at each other and said you know they they registered they have a right to play um we'll figure this out we had for no next policy time. Anything for it, so we don't have anything to say that they go. couldn't and and i was fine with it Again, we heard a lot of feedback on that. It's just something that we have to, moving forward, figure out. But I don't want people to think that that was bad when we say the good, the bad. That's the right. I just want to clarify that. And that's it why was I was just stuttering in the beginning. Yeah, I was stuttering because it wasn't bad. It was it was bad in that we didn't plan for that. But it was also kind of just weird. Like, why do we have to plan for that? But again, it's just I guess it's just the world we live in now. It's, yeah. You got to that matters today, and uh, it matters to some people, and so you just need to have a plan for it. And um, so we'll we'll look into that for next year. Yeah. The ugly? Uh, the rain stunk, but other than that, no, I think it was, I, I, I can't really list anything there. I really don't think there's no. anything ugly, except maybe the jumper cables that needed to be, the, the couple might have thought that was an ugly moment in their life, but for them, it ended up. For them, ugly. Yeah. For us, it was fine. We just figured it out and went forth. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a really good tournament overall. And we're looking forward to having one next year. All right. Uh, yeah, I was just going to segue into that. So talking about like future, like what are we thinking there? What do you think about to do next year? Like, right now, given uh, the facilities we have, let's let's just let's take that variable out. We're, we're going to have six courts next year, but everything else is on the table. What do you want to do next year? What's in your head, in your heart? In my heart, I would probably stay true to the three zero and three five mixed doubles if we just had the six outdoor courts for the 4th of July. If we have, I know I'm going outside of your little dotted lines, um, if we have more than six courts um, and if we can train additional volunteers, I would love to have a two-day tournament. But again, we live in Wisconsin, so my first thoughts go, oh, can we get two days of sun in a row in July? 
um, because that would take a lot of planning and a lot of backup with indoor facilities, which we had a little bit of experience with this year, so we could plan that if we had enough time. But we've got enough interest because of the two years running and how great that tournament is. People were already poking at us about, hey, can we get a 4-0 division? What about women's doubles? What yeah. about men's doubles? And you could do that with more courts. I love you. So let me repeat. <laughs> Given I hear that, a butt coming up. No, I'm just going to repeat myself. Provided we only have six courts, let's take that variable out of the equation. What do you think I would do next year? Keep it the same? Um, like you said, multiple days, you kind of poo-pooed that in your part of your first response. Is, so I, I'm, I'm inferring here. I don't want to infer. I want to hear it from you. What do you What do you think you want to do next year? I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. I know you You're are. Give me the I look. wasn't like, okay, so I have six outdoor courts one day. I would do it the same. Well, I didn't say one day. I just said six courts. Oh, six courts. That's the only non-variable. Okay. So I would probably do mixed doubles on one day. And I would probably do um, women's doubles and men's doubles on a second day if we could have and train more volunteers. So you're saying we can, part of our plan for next year is to start recruiting process for more, it's called staff. I mean, it's volunteers, but more staff, tournament staff to help run it. So we don't have to be there 10 hours all weekend. Correct. We would kind of get it up and running and maybe help out one day and then the other day someone else would drive the bus. Yeah. I think okay. we can replicate another day. We we already have how we sign people up. We already do the spreadsheets. Yeah, I think yeah. doing that for another day we could do, but I think the day of on that second day we could train the other people, other club members have seen us do that now. Yeah, yeah a couple um, times. A couple of times now, so I think we could train um there're very many qualified people that could take that second day on. And I even had interest at this year's tournament about how can I help with registration? Because I usually register the people. So That's I usually have, a, a bottleneck or a pain point throughout yep, the day so is getting everybody registered. So one person already volunteered to yeah. do that. Okay. So there's interest. Okay. Um, we just have to figure that out. No, fair enough. How about you? I'm not going to let you off the spot. Oh, I, yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, I, I really don't have much to add. I really agree with you. I, even with only six courts... I think it's doable to do two days. I think the the biggest threat to that is, like you said, is weather. Because in Wisconsin, like, like the old saying goes, if you don't like the weather, give it twenty minutes and it'll it'll change. Um, so it, it could it could go from a two day event to like a four day event really fast because of of rain or thunderstorms um, that we may or may not get, and you just, you cannot plan for that. So that's always a big risk. Yeah, I don't have a. I'm just pontificating here, but maybe there's something we could do with Premier and partner up with them and have part of the tournament held over there i know you're splitting venues and you got to double up on decorations and people and all that stuff so that again literally just spitballing here yeah. but well that kind of leads idea. into what our next steps are well i mean what more i know i'm just you're you're leading stealing me to the my water. thunder sweetheart um, we are working on additional courts you know you, we kind of sprinkled that out throughout this podcast but um craig and i are working with a small committee um and with helping the club, the club maybe secure a partnership with the city of Janesville to have six more outdoor pickleball courts by next summer of 2024 so that we could possibly do just a one-day event with more divisions. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we heard throughout the day, or even before the tournament and after the tournament, not including just the day, but how many times we heard, man, if we just had more courts, look at the size of the tournaments we could host here and the, and the events we could pull off. And, and they're all true. Yeah, they're all right. Yep. So we just need the infrastructure. And 
and pickleball courts aren't cheap to build. So yeah, that's part of what our our, uh, our plan is here over the next month is to work with the city and the city council to see if we can partner up with them in the Friends of Riverside there at River and see how we could get more pickleball facilities built at our Riverside Park to be able to host more, not just events, but even just open play. The, one of the last times I was down for open play on a weekday morning, we have a paddle rack system. If you know what that is, it's a, it's a apparatus you put up and everybody puts their paddles up. If the courts are full, you put your paddles up in, in an order. And then as people are done with games, they come off and you rotate the next four in. Next four players going to play a game. So you can get, everybody tries to get equal court time. The last, actually the last couple of times I've been down there, those paddle racks were full. And those paddle racks hold, I think it's 16 or 20 paddles. So you have six courts, which is 24 people playing. You have another 16 or 20 people waiting to play. And to add to that, the last couple of times I was down there, not only were the paddle racks full, there were people that wanted to put their paddle on the rack. There was no room. They had to like, we were setting them up along the, along the ground or on the. So if you had 16 to 20 that, you know, that were on the paddle rack, that would have been another six courts and all, all 12 courts would yeah. have been filled in an open place. So we're there, working on that. That's probably going to be another episode. Yeah. And that's, so just. That's accommodating players, but just to touch upon that economic impact, if you could start holding two day events with 12 courts, the amount of people you could bring in. Locally, but not not locally too. You get a much more regional. You start getting a more regional tournament where people are truly coming in. Like a majority of the players are coming in from outside of the area to be, be here for the day, if not the weekend. Well, most people, if they're really into pickleball tournaments, and you do the women's and the men's doubles and the mixed doubles, they will find a hotel because they'll play one day yeah. with their mixed partner, and then they'll stay overnight, yeah. like we do a lot yeah. of times, and then play women's doubles and men's doubles with somebody else, and we'll stay overnight in a hotel. We'll eat in their restaurants. Yeah. We'll shop at their local it's, shops. It's crazy how much you can generate just from one event, how much that spiders out in, in the waterfall effect that has for yeah. for the area. But that's another hill to charge that's that's standing before us. So that, like you said, future that's episode will report yep. back on how that goes. So. Anything else? I think that wraps it up. I just want to tell you, I always enjoy that pickleball tournament. I love coordinating with you. Um, I think we did a great job this this year, but thanks for all the hard work that you put into it. I really enjoyed it. As crazy and stressful and um, as much work as it is, it is a ton of fun. I, I couldn't agree more. I it's not only we don't get, I I don't personally get a chance to do a lot of volunteer call it volunteer or community service work, but that is the one I really look forward to, and I just it, it's it's very fulfilling. Yeah, yes, every uh, time pickleball is one of our passions, hence the name of our podcast, Paddle Up. Right, right. All right, I think that wraps it up about now, and you're probably tired of listening to our tournament details but hopefully enjoyed some of it and hopefully got something out of it too there'll be three little nuggets in there for you guys as either as players or potential tournament directors um to take forth hopefully you learn some journey learn some lessons from what we've learned yeah so thank you for listening everyone and we'll talk soon yep bye now 